Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening a hologram for the king, League of Exotic Dancers, Hello, My Name is Doris, Into the Forest, and more. At the E-Bar on June 25th, check out Pride Riot, a queer community cabaret and burlesque fundraiser. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. The 2016 Hillside Festival is happening July 22nd to the 24th and is proud to feature such acts as Jennifer Castle, Nap Eyes, Buffy St. Marie with the Sadies, and so, so much more. There will also be plenty of food, craft vendors, and workshops. For more information about the festival and tickets, visit hillsidefestival.ca. Mark your calendars for the 2016 Hillside Festival happening July 22nd to the 24th at the physically accessible Guelph Lake Conservation Area. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Creative Control with Beach Comic. Hey, welcome to episode 264 of Creative Control. On this episode, a conversation with David Goldman and Nobu Adelman of the Toronto-based community music project Choir, Choir, Choir. Founded in 2011, Choir, Choir, Choir features a committed group of gifted and amateur singers who meet twice a week in a no-pressure environment and then they attempt to learn and interpret pop songs and popular songs by artists like Prince, uh, David Bowie, Extreme, Tegan and Sarah, Patti Smith, and many, many more. I know I just extended pop to popular, and that, that pop is just short for popular, but yeah, you know what I mean. Pop has its own connotation. I think you knew what I meant. Anyway, since forming, this group has performed in various venues across Canada. They've played in Vancouver and Edmonton. They've played at the AGO and Massey Hall in Toronto. They have performed on, uh, at ceremonies for the Juno Awards and the Polaris Music Prize. And, in tribute to David Bowie, uh, they were brought down to Radio City Music Hall and Carnegie Hall in New York. It's, it's really amazing. They were actually just featured uh, in The New Yorker. Things are happening for Choir, Choir, Choir. They are, in fact, performing at the Hillside Festival in Guelph, Ontario, the weekend of July 22nd. And so, just last week, I met with Nobu and David at the now uh, shuttered Cafe Brasiliano, which was is was near and dear to Nobu's heart. He might still be sobbing about their closure. 
I, I felt bad for him. He seemed like he was uh, struggling in some ways to keep it together. Anobu, if you're hearing this, I hope you're okay. And I hope that you and everyone else listening will enjoy this trip down memory lane for you, Nobu. And for other people, it's not. It's new. This is myself, Nobu and David, talking about choir, choir, choir. suggested we meet here where are we we're at cafe brasiliano on dundas between euclid and manning in downtown toronto it seems like a boisterous place has kind of a old school diner cafeteria feeling this is brasiliano 2.0 it used to be across the street the place has been in operation for 50 plus years it closes this friday june 17th it's really sad the family owns the building and they've decided to move on um, and they're going to leave behind a trail of old Portuguese guys, hipsters, um, a, a large section of the of, of cab drivers, of Somali and Ethiopian cab drivers that who congregate at the um, unofficially titled uh, UN table in the back there. Oh right. Um, okay. It's just an amazing spot, a real uh, fixture in the community. I'm sorry to hear that it's uh, wrapping up. All things must pass, obviously. Uh, yep. uh, David, have you been here many times? Uh, yeah, I've been here many times. I want to say I think it's really nice for nobody to promote a restaurant that's closing in three days on your podcast. I, I'm um, it's special for them. <laughs> it's so nice of him. I've been promoting it's the it. The second time we've been here in, in a week for an interview. <laughs> I, I, I'm here tomorrow too. <laughs> Nobu picks places where he's not going to eat, <laughs> and assumes that everyone else has eaten as well. You've not frequented this place other than him badgering you to come here. <laughs> no, I do. I like. I like it here. I've been coming here for years. I, I will say that th- by the time this airs or is posted, uh, this place will maybe have been long gone. So it's a it is a, a, a fruitless promotion on many <laughs> levels. I'm just going to say 
that unless someone has a time machine, they're not going to be able to even enjoy the last few days. What, why is this so significant to you, though? I mean, can you can you explain that? I'll feel this one. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <go> you ahead. <laughs> won't. <laughs> uh, I move. I grew up in Toronto, and I moved away in the early '90s to Halifax, and I spent ten years there. And when I came back to town, I I moved in around the corner from the old Brasiliano, mm-hmm. and in many ways, I felt um, a little bit disconnected from my hometown. And I, I wasn't working and I didn't have a lot of money and I would just get up late. I had no reason to get up. And so I would walk around the corner and I, I found this place. And for a long time, Dundas West in Toronto was just full of these um, closed shop cafes where mm-hmm. you didn't really mm-hmm. feel all that welcome, you know. And this one felt a little friendlier. So I went in one day and I value coffee, like quality coffee above most other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had one and it was amazing. And then I realized there was this whole other culture that existed there and that um, there was a diversity and it was thriving and it was just so full of life and um, I kept on going back and it became my touchstone to returning to Toronto because it reminded me of what the city was like when I was growing up in the annex um, it felt like there was a real camaraderie and um, and just a warmth there that um, made me feel more comfortable because the Toronto I returned to just felt different I mean, it's funny. growing up in Montreal, I've never heard someone refer to Toronto as a warm city, but I guess you had a You know what? Experience. You didn't grow up in the annex in the 70s, and, and it was the kind of place that um, everyone knew each other, <laughs> family businesses. Other? No, but I mean, it's like, you, you want to give me sass about Toronto being a no, cold no, city? I'm That's not. absolute just, bullshit. You know, you know, the Toronto I grew up in was amazing. Well, the rest I, of you people made it terrible. You, <laughs> I'm not among you, by the way. I'm not from Toronto. I'm from Guelph. Guelph. Ontario. <laughs> yes, that's right, Mr. Geography. I'm from Guelph, Ontario. What are you, a GPS? Uh, I uh, had a... I was going to say, we walk, I walked in here. I was a little ahead of you. And then when you walked in, it was like a scene from Cheers, except instead of Norm, everyone yelled Nobu, which I thought was really nice. Well, they actually yelled Nubu. Oh. They're the only people in the world that I will not correct when they mispronounce my name for 12 years. Nubu? Yeah. I wonder why that is. They just thought my name was Nubu, and then one day I was like, hey, my name's Nobu. And they're like, Nubu? And I said, Nobu. And they said, Nubu? And I was like, yeah, Nubu. Ah, uh, you know, Nubu, Nobu. <laughs> I don't think that's... Is that that big a deal? Not to me. I don't. Th- I think it's great. <laughs> we all have names that I think are uh, maybe a little off. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is always mispronounced. Usually yeah. it's Nobu's, but yesterday there's someone thanked Nobu and Davine. Yeah. Which was really nice. I thought and that was yeah, nice. Because you are related to Ravine. So. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm Vish, but I get Vish, which is... You corrected me the first time we I, met. Did I? Yes. Was it on at, the air? At the Polaris. You're it? like, just before we go back on air, you're like, it's, it's Vish. Well, I... I, <laughs> I, think it, I appreciate that. But I think it's embarrassing for everyone if... Isn't it? Like, it is. I, it particularly is. As, as a person who talks in public and like there's a thing at the beginning of everything I do like if I do a show there's someone who's like and here's Vish and then the person comes on they're like Vish and like I'm like you weren't even listening to the beginning of the show like so I feel like it's better for everyone it happens all the time still like people see my name it's Vish it looks like Vish you should do what I did you you phonetically spelled your name right I put in two E's my girlfriend jokes that my name is not doesn't just it's not just Nobu it's Nobu N-O-B-U Nobu because I always have to spell it when I tell people what my name is, because it gives them the visuals of my name in their head. Isn't there, a, helps them. Isn't there a, a very famous exclusive restaurant called Nobu? That made my life a lot easier after that restaurant came. I think like, there are up. two of them. I'm not sure how exclusive it is. Pardon? Are there two There's of about them? five or six Five of or six, okay. Yeah. I mean, Kanye West raps about them. Yeah. So people are hearing Nobu more because he's very popular. Drake, does he rap about yeah. Nobu? Okay, so he wasn't talking about you. You never know. Because it's the six. I'm going to ask him, yeah. And you seem He's to know. He's so local <laughs> <laughs> that I he get shout outs. <laughs> so I was thinking about the fact that uh, around five years ago, I think it was, four or five years ago, I used to work at CBC and a colleague there named Kim Fox. And uh, she, uh, I think, is in New York or something now. Uh, she's doing uh, bigger and better things. But uh, she told me kind of offhand, I, I can't do a thing because I'm going to my band practice. I'm in a band called Choir, Choir, Choir. And I was like, oh, what is that? And she explained it to me. I'm like, that sounds really cool. I was hoping you two could explain the concept of this thing, the origin of this project. Uh, because when I first heard about it, I'm like, how does that work? It was a bit confusing. And then even when you see the videos that have been circulating and doing very well, I still am like, how did this happen? Like, how did all of these people get involved in this? Can you talk a little bit about the origin story of this thing and, and how it works? 
the origin story is that uh, it looks delicious. I got a chocolate cappuccino. <laughs> that um, you know, we had done Nobu for a mutual friend. We had done a uh, there was a gathering of about a dozen people for a sing along for a birthday. Matt Murphy of Matt Tons. Murphy, that's right. And um, and just it happened to be that that it was Nobu and a friend of a mutual friend of ours who was putting together this this choir and uh, and then I was brought in to play guitar and, and and I guess to sing as well or whatever and uh, it sort of went from there we did this thing a one-off and it was really fun with no real ideas of what was going to come after just we should get together and sing again with these people who don't necessarily see themselves in bands or performing but somehow it was just this fun thing to do and then it just went from there we did a night at a real estate office a couple years later I mean the story's kind of long but it just never stopped, and I think the, the, the go ahead. No, you go. I'm tired. Finish your eloquent. I need to have um, my coffee. I haven't had a coffee. You obviously yet. prepared this last night. I did not. <laughs> I I think it. I mean, it, it happened really haphazardly, but I think that and David and I came at it from different angles. Um, I spent a lot of time in Halifax, and there's not that much to do out there except and everyone was in bands, and and we would always have sing-alongs, and we would always play. So for me. When I came back to Toronto, I didn't have a band, and um, and I, I dreamed up this thing where I wanted to have a choir of a thousand voices. So I put out a little thing for myself, and I would play shows as Mr. Nobu and his choir of a thousand voices. So I had that in my mind that I wanted a choir. For David, it was more he was playing solo stuff and took on took this epic trip to Argentina and was what, what are they called again? The the bars? Oh, Peñas. Peñas, and and where it's just a really a community collective idea of just people just show up at a bar and there's instruments there playing and and I think that. He he really, really loved that idea. So I think that we both come at it from different perspectives, but then um, because of Matt's birthday and we did this thing and there's a lot of musician friends and they were really interested in what we were doing and it was so amateur, like there was just no strategy involved at all. And, and it was so loose that there was no, even though it was a fun thing to do, people were saying, let's do it again. And we just didn't really get to it because I was busy doing other things. David was busy doing things. But then one day it just kind of hit and David asked, I went, well, I walked into aunties and uncles and, and he said, when are we doing that choir thing again? And it was like the third or fourth time he had asked me. And I was like, okay, let's just do it. Let's just set a date. And the response, and like it has been consistently, the response has been so strong. But um, immediately when I asked people on Facebook if they'd want to sing in a choir, we got something like 30 responses, which at the time seemed uh, massive, well, you know? The, the term choir, I will say, can be intimidating for some people. Uh, I, I used to play in a very similar kind of thing where I led a folk and country outfit within the community of Guelph, and it was called the Crying Out Loud Choir. And it was kind of similar. I was like, we'll have a core group. And like a band, but anyone can join. You just have to come to a practice before a show, hmm. and we'll play wherever we'll play. And we would play, and you know, we got driven down to Brooklyn to play with Sufjan Stevens and Danielson family, and like just weird stuff happened. And it was in the midst of like being in a bunch of real bands, so to speak, you know, where uh, we just did it as a side thing. And I wrote a few songs for it, but mostly we paid tribute to other people. But it really took off, and I think that one of the things, beyond the spectacle of having 30, 40 people from a community doing it, was the impulse of inclusivity, which I think some people felt barriers about being in bands. Sound men, however, thought choir meant overhead mics, like weird, like, oh, you're going to have a choral, <laughs> you know, like a choral band, like really great singers. I'm like, no, it's super scrappy. And so I wonder if calling yourselves choir, 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 has led to any confusion among people like that? I don't know. I mean, I think I always thought from the beginning we wanted to make a choir that didn't seem at all like choirs that we had known growing up. Um, so even so much of the fact that whenever we got approached for collaborations with other choirs, we'd almost not intentionally ignore or just sort of like just go with what felt good to us just thinking oh it's a choir but not really creating something that we we weren't basing on anything we really knew and that was good we weren't influenced and we kind of created something new i don't know what you're talking about the way it's staged well i think that sometimes people get confused when they hear choir uh because i think there's a weird people are self-conscious about singing if they're not totally. singers right and um the idea of being like at this point you guys have filled gigantic rooms full of people. I assume some of them are strangers. I assume some of them oh, tons. are responding to an open call. So that's a weird 
I can see why people would be like, that sounds well, super fun. The, the, hardest part, the hardest part is certain now is that sound guys who are at any venue are so concerned with our monitors and how the crowd's going to hear. And we're like, we don't care how well the crowd hears. I mean, obviously we want them to hear us, but they don't realize it's like a reverse show. We're like, we're recording the crowd. What we sound like for the hour and a half until they learn is really secondary. Like, it's not, they're like, can you hear yourself in your monitors? Can you hear this? And that we're like... It's about them. Like but, it's they are the show. But to pretend, know? just to get back to the beginning, to yeah. pretend at all that there was a strategy would be misleading. Like we had no idea what we were doing. We the way that we didn't look at it necessarily as a choir so much as bringing friends together to sing and 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 pass a few hours in a creative way and have fun, see people have a couple of beers, that yeah. kind of thing. So we our first invite was called Choir 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 because we we didn't know what to call it. We had no right. idea, right? And and at the beginning it was mostly just friends. Right? Uh, there is was that a an allusion to something? The idea is that a am I is it a, like a wordplay thing? Choir, choir, choir. No, it's like choir, choir, choir. Like calling out to people, like <laughs> we're gonna do a choir. <laughs> That's all it was. Right, and then and then we thought it would be a one-off, you know. So we weren't thinking about how are we gonna present this to people? How are we gonna structure it? What are you gonna do? What am I gonna do? There was no. We, we didn't really talk that much about it. Like, I'd never been in a choir. David had done some choir stuff, but as far as arranging things, you know, if you if you listen back to the very first ones, it's it's very crude, it's very innocent, and for a long time, we would just sort of sing stuff back to each other to see how we could arrange it. Now it's evolved, and now David makes these elaborate demos, and um, so it really has evolved, and it took a few years for us to even really go, you know what, like, let's start taking this even more seriously to try to, to start to strategize a little bit so that we can wa uh, waste uh, less time and get to where we want to go. Well, you, you, you started out as a, it was a social gathering. It was a party, essentially. It was a tribute to someone on their birthday. Uh, do, and it was, I assume, at that point, it was comprised of people who would be attending the party, friends with the guy. How did it go from that? And then I presume... As singers, you were leading people as singers, right? Not everything I've seen recently is like you're starting initiating things, but the cue is for the people in the audience, so to speak, to sing. It's it's always been that we've never had. We, never, we, we, well, oh. rarely will we have a soloist unless it's, it's one of our nights that we call epic nights, like we just did with Rufus Wainwright at the Hearn for Luminato. Uh, but mainly, like we don't have soloists, and it's just like just sections, right? You know, and we'll teach the parts and. Okay, so it, you're saying from the inception, it's pretty much been in this form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's what people don't see is the fact that what's also evolved, and now you know, nobody do other work outside of the Tuesday and Wednesday night that we do in Toronto is that uh, you know you see the videos or people you know they watch these performances and 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 they don't realize that you know for an hour, an hour and a half before that video was shot. We were engaging the crowd and working with them and getting to know them. And there's a show and there's a shtick we have on stage, which is fun because we have we like being together on stage even when it's going badly sometimes. Like it can be dramatic and fun and, and, and funny and sad and celebratory. Like there's so much that goes into the process. And when you see that video, it's really a culmination. Almost most, most of the emotion has been felt by that point uh, in the creation of it. And when people leave, they're like, oh, how the hell did these guys create this thing out of like this chaos because the night's pretty chaotic but then at the end we have this thing that we put out which which, which we think is impressive considering it's strangers since you've never been this is what happens i have you, been oh you have i've seen you at long winter and uh okay but that's different so so our weekly sessions is like, <laughs> so the no matter what we do out in the world of performance and that oh, kind of I thing see, because i haven't been to like a session a session right yeah. so it's every tuesday and wednesday in the back room at clinton's oh, tavern i put way too much sugar in my you really did oh my god you can scoop it out that's uh, all right yeah it's a bit bitter um, you get you, a few days before an event, you get an invite that tells you what song it's going to be. And we used to do two songs a night, but it was just too much work and it was too rushed for the second song. So now it's just one. And then so you show up and you get a lyric sheet. Here, here's a napkin. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> this you cappuccino take a, you take a has bath. been, yeah. <laughs> I already, anyway, sorry, go ahead. And you get a lyric sheet when you come. And um, there's, it's just broken down into the crudest of sections, low, mids, and highs. Right. And then we tell you where to stand. I don't think there was ever some thought that it would be soprano alto. I don't think we no, no, no. We were like, like, oh, soprano. We're like, oh yeah, right. I never yeah, we have no we idea thought. what that means. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then um, we get up there. We 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 just we have no idea. Like we don't really have a script. We just talk around stuff. And then we get to the song. And then we teach a section one part and then we still we slowly build yeah, the arrangement sure. over the course of an hour an hour and a but half but there's an in, there is a uh, 
because of the expediency in which you work with people, there's a bit of scrappiness. It doesn't really come across in the videos. They seem very like put together, but I, well, well, that's that's the thing that that we try to convince people because because as you said, people sometimes can be very hesitant about singing and their singing voice and be nervous about it. And it's like just relax. Like we're going to tell you what to do, and if you're really terrible, we'll tell you to do it in the back and, and quietly. But yeah, like, there's a lot of Nobu saying like, "You're not cool. Just sing. Like no one thinks you're cool. Yeah, you're, you're, you're gonna choir. choir. Like just let go and just sing." And so much of us is getting people to just getting us getting people to open up and to you know, sort of work with the people around them. And if they're just willing to give a little bit of themselves to what we're doing there, that the, that the rewards can be extraordinary. Sometimes people have these pretty memorable nights, you know, and we tend to take it for granted because we've been doing it every week for so long. But, it, you know, if you just take one out and you examine it, we've had some incredible times at, and, it, and this happens over and over again. Somehow this sort of magical moment can happen it's not for everyone but i think for a lot for a lot of people it's it's uh it's 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 a great night i i tell people even if they don't want to sing um if they want to feel something they can just grab a drink and just stand in the middle and and get a because you can get something from that as well we we have uh, uh, touched upon some thermodynamic stuff here in this conversation that i probably i wasn't necessarily expecting earlier we talked about uh david was saying like toronto is not known for being warm uh, necessarily as a as a as a welcoming place uh, and I had a knee-jerk reaction to that that's right but there's also this sense that people feel too cool for school and it's this is basically a McDLT model the hot side stays hot the, no my, my uh, what I'm saying is that is a uh, that is a hallmark I think of this city of like people call this the screw face capital of the world and that people stand around with their arms folded they aren't willing to embrace things as much as possible because they seem to have chips on their shoulder you've discovered the opposite of this with this project i assume or we're fighting back against that because i think that that toronto has that reputation but i remember um in 2000 when so many of my friends from halifax moved to toronto and people were moving in from vancouver i felt like i felt like at least in in my world that that was changing a little bit but there is that stuffiness to the city or this There's no like, question it's, it's not as friendly and it's, it's it's ridiculous and people ask i remember i was saying this the other night i went to a concert years ago uh, it was Indigo Girls at Convocation Hall and someone literally asked if they were allowed to dance you know and it was like what yeah, I mean, is I wrong Hilko with you at Massey Hall and he was screaming at the audience to like encourage them to play to, and cla- I was you know he's like you can get out of your seats or you can yeah. do whatever I mean it's that, this kind of thing and growing up in Montreal which is such a sort of jubilant kind of place and almost to the point of you know where you're like alright calm down like you know but um, I'm very proud of the fact that that, that exists in Toronto. I think people are surprised by it. I've seen comments on the YouTube page from people who, I guess, from other parts of Canada who have an idea of what Toronto is, and they'll say, like, this is in Toronto? Like, they're shocked that this is taking place in Toronto. And I think that's, to me, that's special. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a, there, there, there's a certain rise of jubilant bands in this city. I remember when the hidden cameras emerged, for example, and I don't know what you make of the hidden cameras, whether you like them. They're great, yeah. But they had this similar, like, onstage parade atmosphere, and I think for some people it was a big shock that something like that would come out of a city that is so reserved, somewhat... You disagree with this, but there is a bit of snootiness here, right? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't disagree with it. I I just feel like... Um, I feel like it's changed a little bit, and there, and I feel like I would rather live in a world where I'm on the side of of the warm Toronto, and that that I I because I grew up with it. I, I there's huge pockets of it, and I feel like it's maybe it's an us and them sort of situation, you know. And and I feel like it doesn't have to be the face that Toronto that Toronto wears, you know. And I remember being at I think it was maybe Hidden Camera's first show at Splice This, um, and it was like. I was so happy because, like, it was so unhinged, and I was like, "Yeah, that's those are the types of things that I want to represent the city, you know, and all the artistic communities and the people who are just so open and excited to share whatever they're doing, you know." Now, you guys of late have been reacting to uh, the news cycle in a weird way. You've been paying tribute to artists that we've lost uh, over the years, uh, over, over the last few months, in fact, uh, who are some of the people you've been paying tribute to of late? Um, oh, well, most recently it would have been Prince. We did, um, uh, choir session. Most session. recently it would be extreme. 
Well, paying tribute to their 25th anniversary of More Than Words. words. Right? I saw this, and I saw (laughs) that uh, Gary Sharon was a big fan of your... Yes, uh, Gary Sharon. Are you uh, extreme fans? I I, I love two of their songs. More Than Words and... Wholehearted. Wholehearted, that's right. Those are their two metal hair ballad thingies that... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Otherwise, they're not a great band? No, I wouldn't say that. I think they, they, you know, they were sort of a bit out of, their, out of time. If they had existed maybe two years before they did, they, would have been, they could have been much bigger. But that's, that's neither here nor there. I was two, more making a joke about, you know, they're like the Skid Row. Skid Row was kind of the same thing. Like, you put Skid Row 18 months back, and they're the biggest band in the world. Are you referring to the fact that uh, a bunch of stuff happened to blow all these hair metal bands out of the water? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm referring to. But you don't necessarily think it was justified, the uh, so-called alternative uprising? No, I'm not saying whether it was justified. I'm just saying, you know, you think of extreme as one thing, and, you know, sometimes timing is everything. I want to get back to the tributes thing and just, that's, no, it's fair. I, uh, I want to get back to the, t- the tributes in a moment, but you have had a weird uh, thing where you, in your ascendancy, I suppose, you are hearing from high-level artists who are who are expressing appreciation for what you're doing. Can you, at the risk of being immodest, but can you cite some of the people or collaborators you've had that you're most thrilled about? I th- one really fun moment, because it was like one of the first ones, was uh, NPR did a story on us, and they played, as part of the story, uh, our cover of We Belong, the Pat Benatar song. And somebody called up the, one of the co-writers, Dan Navarro, uh, somebody had heard it and let him know, and he contacted us. No, he heard it. Did he hear it? Yeah, he okay. was listening oh, he was it. listening. Okay, yeah, so yeah. he heard it, and then um, he was coming up for the, some folk alliance conference, and uh, he got in touch with us, and he came out to a choir session, and we did, um, we belong with him in the room, and it was just a really, and we hung out with him, and and he really appreciated, he appreciated the fact that that we weren't a hundred percent faithful to the original, and we'd added things, and David had written this new part for it, and and he was there. And he gave this really beautiful intro and really encouraging us to keep on doing what we were doing. And um, and it was the, I think the first time that we got to hang out with somebody who had been integral to the production of a, of a, of a very popular song that we had covered. And um, and that was, I mean, it was, it was, it was incredible. You know. Okay. And then uh, as far as I can think, I mean, we mentioned Gary Sharon. We can't. Oh, just yesterday, uh, oh, yeah. Bell and Sebastian yes. shouted out to us on Twitter for our uh, cover. We did two years two ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Like I said, they had a quiet night and they were just scrolling through their Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, as this thing builds, as you're getting more renowned, I think people are going to discover what you've done with their with their work, right? That's the hope. And I always I think about versions of songs we've done that I think are are great. But I know that people haven't seen them, and I hope if we get to a certain point, they'll be like, "Oh, this choir! I wonder if they've ever done one of our songs." And they'll look back. You know, the first person that noticed us was Brian Adams. He tweeted about us, whether it was him or someone that works for him, whatever it was. It was for us. It was so exciting, mm-hmm. the idea that someone had reacted to something we had done, who was so, you know, uh, such a what, sorry. What do you? Simple what? Minds. That was a good. That's a good story. Tell that Simple story. Simple Minds. Oh, <laughs> but, but just over a year ago, we did. Don't you forget about me? For I think that. Like a no thirtieth anniversary Breakfast Club or yeah. something. You know, it was just a fun idea we had for a night, and we did a video, and it was good, and the arrangement's good, and I think it's really fun, and people loved it. But then we put the video out, and then Simple Minds posted on their Facebook page and tweeted about it, and then on on the YouTube page, 
Like someone let me know, like David, you should see what's happening on the YouTube page. So we went to it, and it was someone was saying, "Oh, why can't people leave this song alone?" And and um, Jim, Jim Jim Kerr, Kerr would be would be would, not would, as if he's dead, but he kind of like saying he'd be he would hate this or whatever. Yeah. And then you look on YouTube, and it's actually Jim Kerr saying, <laughs> "Actually, this is great," and I celebrate. I was like, Jim Kerr totally shut this guy like down, standing up for us on YouTube, fighting with someone in the comment section of YouTube. It was hilarious. That was pretty see. amazing. So that was pretty cool. So is it is it the and then Patty Smith? I know there's a video of. Did you guys make Well, we video? performed with her because right. we were it was a first Thursdays and we saw that Patty Smith at was going to be Art Gallery at the Art Gallery Ontario. Yeah. yeah, we we heard that she was going to be playing and we had a cover, a couple covers of her songs and so we called Sean O'Neill at at the Art Gallery and and said we really want to perform as part of it. So we were a roaming Oh, okay. choir in like we were performing in the in the Henry Moore Sculpture Court and then the the the, the a, a Galleria and and then um, Sean video, videoed us singing um, in one of the locations and showed it to Patti Smith in between her sets and sh she was so amazed that she said I want them to perform with me and so I got, I got a just as people were dispersing from our last set Nobu's phone rang and he was I remember seeing him talk on the phone and people were like let's go for a drink they were already leaving because we were done and he was like, "Don't leave!" <laughs> <laughs> and then next thing you know, we're being escorted to the back, and we just we just sat there. We we were just behind the stage for the whole show, and it was so stripped down, and it was so beautiful. And then the last two song, songs come on, and uh, what was the first? People I was people the power, of the power, and, and we didn't know if our arrangements would work. So David and I were like, "Like, just keep it really simple." And then we're like, "No, no, do the whole arrangement." And then like, it was. And then she was she was I think really moved by it. I, Sean told me that she cried afterwards, and and that was she was she was really touched. And at one point she goes choir choir choir, and so you know, I, lo I looped that on a, for a minute on the YouTube video. I saw that. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, you don't expect that these situ these things are gonna these Someone moments are gonna said, happen. Where, who were we talking to last week that said that Patty Smith was like, do you know choir choir choir? Who was that? Uh, yeah, right. I can't remember. I, I can't remember where that was. Patty Smith, uh, in my experience, and I've had the opportunity to interact with her a couple of times, is, first of all, I admire her greatly and deeply, and obviously she's very influential, but she's actually one of the most warm and genuine people I've ever encountered. I had an experience with her where I was given a very short amount of time to do a phone interview with her, and she and we were cut off. You know, sometimes the publicist is listening. And he's like, okay, you got to stop this. And she was like, you know, I really appreciate your questions. Give me your number. I'll call you later tonight when I'm done with all this stuff I have to do. I was wow. like, oh, okay, amazing. And like, sure enough, four or five hours later, Patty Smith gave me like another hour. Wow. After I was given like 15 minutes. Like, that is the type of person she is. I think, you know, we sometimes we think, and you're discovering this, I think, these iconic people are human beings. And when you do something that is infused with as much warmth, is what you're doing it actually touches them they're not as insulated as you would think and i think that you know this thing that you're doing may not have resonated without social media right like the things that are getting to these people are because of youtube and twitter and whatnot that's right yeah i mean we're not recording records it's not like we have any distribution by anyone except ourselves through our website or through people just sharing or wanting to share and even locally I don't think that I've, I think that the Facebook groups that we have are, are integral to getting to mobilizing people to let them know what is happening in the first place you know and it's a, it's a word of is it a word of mouth thing like you you obviously uh, like you guys did Massey Hall and that was a tribute to, to David Bowie or that was the Prince tribute right when did you do the David Bowie one was that it that was in January, January yeah it was like it was, it was like, like five days, days after he died where was that? AGO, yeah. in the Walker Court. Where we had performed with Patti Smith. Wow, amazing. So so you put the call out on your groups, and then you do you well, have a core group of people who are going to be in your audience at any given time? There's, there's, there's sort of... Sort of these rings of, of, of people in choir, and some of them are either closer to us or closer to what we do. We there's you know it's just it's become so many different things, whether it's a Tuesday or Wednesday, which have their own personalities, and some people go to one or the other or both or whatever they just have their own feels or performance or whether it's these big nights or depending on the song when I mean, you have different people that will come out and they all contribute to what this thing is in their own way but uh, there's definitely been a core of people who've been around for a long time but that core has grown and you know it's it, the core used to be who in my estimation used to be who we saw as the core and now I think the core has become 
people who see themselves as part of the core. Like we don't necessarily determine what the core is. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. It used to be we were like, you guys are the core. Now it's like well, it used to be. It used to be just that we were so small that everyone was the core because it was a manageable amount of people. You know, in the, some ways. One of the dangers that can occur when you make such an open-ended and welcoming thing, and I experienced this in the choir I was alluding to earlier, is that in managing it and spearheading it, but also leaving it open to so many people, some people take a weird ownership over it, and then you have a weird friction because they think it's their thing, and, and they're representing a thing that you've created in a way that you may not like. Have you experienced anything like that? There have been All some the there have been some moments. Um, I think that I'm really I'm, <laughs> I'm, there's I'm, been some moments I, we mean but no, but all the time. I, no, but I'm I'm really um, there's two sides to that. I'm really proud that people take ownership over it because I think that that is part of the success of choir. We have not really spent any money to promote this thing, right? And it's word of mouth as you said. And and it's grown exponentially because people are excited about it and telling their friends about it. And that is because they're taking a certain amount of ownership over it, right? There will be some people who seek to define what it is that you're doing in a way that you don't appreciate. And you have to have conversations or just assert yourself in a way that, that, that is the more dominant voice that like, and we're like, you know, we were done that several times. We've got an inclusive, very inclusive community, but at the same time, our motto at the very beginning was, uh, this is not a democracy. And like, and it was, it was very much that, um, the idea that, this is the thing that we're trying to create the thing we're the representatives of this whole group and ultimately what we like we're going to put it in the direct set it in the direction that we want to take it and if and if ultimately if somebody really has a major problem with that we'll talk about it but at a certain point we're going to make the final decision and but we're you know we're compassionate and we always want to um, create something that everyone will want to be a part of, right? But you know, this is a massive thing with so <laughs> many people that you're gonna you're gonna have issues, and we've had issues, and I think that that's it touches on an element of choir that we never thought because you know having no strategy, the management of people is enormous and and has been one of the biggest learning curves i think yeah i think it might be time for choir 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 to have an hr 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 department <laughs> it's kind of like it polices itself on some on some level sometimes things get a little bit out of hand it's tough sometimes it's really tough like sometimes it's really hard and you and sometimes we make decisions based on our experience and we think something will work and then it's clear early on that it doesn't work you know the best example of that is uh, you know, a year or two ago, we decided, oh, you know, we should do R. Kelly Ignition. That would be so much fun. Because people so many people song. wanted to it's do a it. party jam. It's great. Right, but R. Kelly. We did not know just we the full think, extent. We did not think. We put the invite up. We're like, this is going to be great. Let's do it. Ignition. And we all danced it at I the wedding. going like, out to my friend's flowers <laughs> sale at the market, and, and the post started coming in by people who were refusing to sing R. Kelly. He's a rapist. He's this. He's that. And yeah, we and were not. We were not ready for that. Well, we also. I mean, like, David and I are. We pay attention, but we hadn't collectively paid attention as much to R. Kelly. It was just the song, you know. And but, I mean, I had heard things, but I didn't. I. I mean, I. I guess I had heard things. I just didn't. It wasn't something it didn't that register. I, I paid attention to. I'm not. Okay, so there's a there's a sense that choir 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 is as a community endeavor. Which, by the way, like we've spoken to this already. When you any kind of community endeavor particularly in a city as multifaceted as Toronto, there's going to be volatility. Whether you do a campus radio station, whether you've got a co-op, there's always someone who feels upset. <laughs> there's always someone who feels like something isn't being done the way it should be done. But at the same time, I gather that you're doing something relatively apolitically. Like, this seems to be a political action on some level, and I'm, politics is a very loaded term. I'm sure you haven't thought about it this way. Oh, we have. You Don't have. worry. Okay. But when you galvanize a group of people to do something and empower them, I think of that as a, a community action. However, it does seem like you're making song choices based on your love of songs, not on their potential context. Or I mean, when Bowie and Prince passed away, amidst the wave of grief and mourning, there were certainly people who said, well, don't forget these were very flawed men they were men first of all and they were very flawed and and so you i find that every time i am feeling emotional about something these days and sadness there is if i go online there is a wave of rage about the thing i'm sad about um and it's like an equal 
equal force. And I'm just like, oh man, like I like John Lennon's songs, and yeah, he seemed to acknowledge he was a flawed individual by pretty much doing a 180 from what he was. Why are we so obsessed with how terrible he was and not embrace like recognizing? And that happened. And even if he didn't acknowledge that he was a damaged person or whatever, it, it doesn't mean that his work can't affect you in some way. It's like you can't control if someone's work affects you. I mean, if you want to boycott somebody's work or art because you don't agree with what they do in their personal life because you happen to know what they've done in their personal life. I mean, if everyone knew what everyone's done in the world, then no one would have a job. No one would have, you know, it's like, I think about, yeah, like that guy wouldn't have a job as a fireman. If you knew everything that that guy driving that truck, I'm assuming it's a man, it could be a woman, sorry, had done, he wouldn't be working for the fire department. I mean, it's like, it's, it's and, it, and what's... And for, certainly for us, for us, I think that in terms of song choice, especially with the ignition thing, I think that what was really important was that people really spoke up and they felt that they could speak up and, and that, that even though we, we, we sound like we're dictators by this is not a democracy, mm. that kind of tagline, we're, we're listening. And, and, and if, did and if, that sway you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We, we, we for, the, for the one time, <laughs> one time only uh, to this to date, we, 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 we had a chat. We're like, we fucked up. Like we made we made a big mistake, and so we did. But a there were people who didn't want to cancel the night. It yeah, came there were a lot debate. of people. A lot like, of people I don't want to sing this, and it people was, were like, we we think we should sing it. What if people do want to sing it? It's and it wasn't just men; it was men and women, and, and and on both sides of the debate. But we were like, you know what? It's gotten too hot, and we're gonna do it 180. So we did Rainbow Connection by the Muppets, and and it was a gorgeous was night, and it's a great video, and we had a great time, and I think. In you know it's maybe it's cheesy to say, but we all I mean David and I kind of learned a lot from that experience, and um, and we've had other moments where we've dipped our toes into into things that that are that veer into sort of the political er area, and um, and it it's 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 not it's it's more nuanced to have these conversations, and we do things so quickly that sometimes we'll just shy away from something because it's like oh that's too much. Well, as I said, you, you have been reacting a little bit to the news uh, in terms of when figures pass away. Have there been other instances where something topical is in the yeah, air yeah, and you feel like you need to address it with, with this group? P yeah. P Putin and his, yeah. his anti-gay agenda, and it was just so disgusting. We were just we were like, that's just horrible. Like, you know, as, as in our, our, our community and, and the communities that we want to be part of in Toronto um, don't uh, agree with his values and so what, what David had the idea to um, take the sting we took the sting song from his first solo record called the Russians which is um, about nuclear war or the Cold War song but we changed the lyrics and just made it about how can you be creating laws at this point in history that are so anti anybody um, who's already been marginal who people who have been marginalized enough you know, and we and it was something that we decided to do. And I think maybe there's people in the choir who were not necessarily turned off by it, but just don't want to get involved. They 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 don't come. And that's their choice. They cannot come. But we just felt like we want to do this, and we ended up taking it to. to it was to during TIFF. There was some kind of. There was a protest that was, well, we uh, did, was we happening. Did, no, we did our own. We did that on. Uh, we we took it down to King Street, down by the light box, and we sang it outside. And we invited. Oh right, to right, come right, and right. Filmed. And right, a couple hundred people That's came right. out, and we sang it on King Street, and, and made a video. Um, performed it, made a video. Like, it was uh, it was a chance to see what we could do, and what people would rally around this idea we had, and and that was not complex. It was just a, a way to sort of galvanize the community and make people feel empowered in some way. And we've learned, and we learned from that because we've done it. Subsequently, we've done it several times. Mm. We've talked a lot about uh, galvanizing the community in Toronto and your work here in this city, but you've taken this on the road a few times, right? Where have you been? Uh, most recently, um, end of February, we went to Vancouver. Uh, we were doing a trip out west anyway, so we decided to do something at the Fox Cabaret. And um, we got like a couple hundred people uh, at the Fox Cabaret, and we did uh, Taylor Swift's Blank Space. And it was just fun to go to a different city, place that we'd, we'd never been before, um, and try it out. And well, that's a good example of, of, of a situation where we're going to a city like you talk about like reacting to the news and, and building a community and, and sort of reacting to the wants and needs of your community and, and, and leading them in some way. We went to the city we had, we had never been to before together to do this project. And just deciding on what song you do was so difficult because it's yeah, what's gonna, what's, out of what's, what's going to resonate. Like, what's the one song we choose? Like, how do you choose that song? So we just, and it was actually quite difficult. We're like, how do you yeah, do, we do, do we do it? Do we do a cool indie song? But you know, it was Oscar night, so like, you know, well, like, 
who watches the Oscars anymore? Will they not come out if we do like an Elliot Smith versus? Should we just go? You know what? But if if we do Taylor Swift, will people think that oh that's just some sort of pop, pop choir sort of thing stuff. where like just they only do popular music you and it makes the right hot. impression, right? Yeah. Exactly. But and then it's hard. It was very hard. Yeah, but it was great, and it was it, people took to it immediately, and they and wanted to, to come back. back. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we went out to Edmonton last summer. Uh, we were invited out by a food festival that's there. Um, and we worked with um, an amalgam of local choirs and taught them our arrangements and then did a show on the main stage. So we were there for like five or six days. So it's been as if, and what, what's this about Carnegie Hall? Is that something you've actually done? I read that and I was like, is that, did you, you guys did play Yeah, Carnegie? so after David Bowie passed away, we did the event at AGO Space Oddity. And that video is, you know, we've been making videos for years, right? And uh, close to six years. And that is the first one that went viral. So like 800,000 views plus, like probably like combined viewing is like 2 million now. And um, we got a call from uh, Michael Dorff, who's a producer who owns City Winery in New York and uh, around the States. And every year they put on um, the Music Of uh, fundraiser and they, they salute um, a musician and they get all their musician friends to come out and, and, and do a night at Carnegie Hall. And they had been talking to Bowie's people for probably years to do one for him and they announced it three hours later, David Bowie died. And so Carnegie Hall sold out and then they added a second night Radio City, and then they saw our video, and they contacted us and asked us to come and lead, uh, to do the finale for both nights, and lead the audience and the featured performers, people like Michael Stipe and so Blondie. So was it Radio City Music Hall or yeah. Carnegie? Oh, okay. Both, both. Oh, it's both. 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 Carnegie on Thursday and Radio City on Friday. So you guys made a thing, kind of didn't know what you were doing. And the next thing you know, you're playing two of the most iconic venues, certainly in the I was going to say the world, but certainly the two most iconic venues in New York. Next thing we know, six years later, yeah. That's, uh, wow. What I think, what I think <laughs> is really strange is that w we did the AGO thing, which, you know, we had put an invite up. The story is we put an invite up to do Justin Bieber that week. Which was and the then, second week in a row was, we would have yeah, done we did Bieber. Bieber. We did the first week back in January. It was really fun. We thought, why don't we do two Biebers in a row? Because why the fuck not? Great we, album. <laughs> Another conversation. Listen to the whole album. You listen to the whole album. In pieces. Which is this? Which record is that? He doesn't. Even, what's it called? It's sorry. Yeah, exactly. So that's okay. So, <laughs> so, but then of course we woke up Monday morning and then we had found that Bowie had passed away that 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 night before and uh, we thought, okay, we can't very well sing Justin Bieber on Tuesday. It just doesn't feel right. So we have to change it. And then we thought, okay, well we should go somewhere. Maybe we should not do it at Clinton's. We should do it somewhere bigger. Like this could be something that maybe we should do bigger. And then the idea of the AGO, uh, you know, came up. We thought, okay, that's perfect. So let's let's contact the AGO and we'll, uh, Sean, who we had contacted about performing with Patty Smith. We contacted him and he was into it. And then it all came together very quickly. But the interesting thing is, Space Oddity to me, the song, like we were not going to do that song at the AGO. Although it wasn't like we had it planned for months. This was something that came together very quickly. But we were supposed to do the Man Who Sold the World at the AGO because we had an arrangement for that song from three years ago that we've always loved and we thought oh that would be a great song to do and literally at the 11th hour when the AGO was already putting it out the tickets they were going like they were just about to put out the press release and I and just recorded a demo for Space Oddity and I called Nobu and I was like I'm like I'm sending you this demo he's like this is great I'm like and we were like, we kind of, this should be the song we do. Like, this feels like the song that we should, that's And it was David so personal. Bowie I mean, away. that was the first song that really, I, I heard from Bowie it. that brought me into his world, you know? It's his first big song. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. And, and, and just the, con the lyrical content of the song and just, and the way the arrangement worked and just the, the, the how it was soaring. And I, we thought, is it too late to change it? And then it was like, look, contact the AGO right now and tell them you want to change it. And it was actually at the last second and they changed it to Space Oddity. They just changed the script to Space Oddity and it became this thing. And it, 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 if I had decided, if, if someone had been like, let's go for lunch and I'd be like, okay, I'll record the demo like in an hour and a half. Like we would have done Man and Sold the World and maybe it wouldn't have been viewed this many times. Like that's, I think uh, to me, that's, I think that's crazy. We ended up on stage at Radio City Music Hall and I turn around and there's like, Debbie Harry and and and, and, and Ricky Wayne, Wayne Coyne and, Wayne Coyne and, and Michael Stipe and you know it was it was so it was so powerful. Things can ha things have happened to us and we feel so lucky. But sometimes it's just these little decisions that we've made 
But we've, I think we've made some pretty good decisions. We've yeah. got a chance to make a lot because we do so many events. But you know, it's also it's it's a, you were talking about you know online being you know critical to our our success in some ways. But I also think that because of of the internet and, and uh, taking the music industry in a in a in a uh, weird direction and and almost sort of disassembling the music industry in in some ways and having to figure out how to rebuild it. I think I think it's really allowed for us to be successful in, in some ways because it's the access but also people want to have um, these really uh, these experiences that that are different and and institutions are finding that they're oh, this is not coming out right well, but no, like I, 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 do, I, I do think I, that I think part of what I think you're saying is we live in an age where everyone feels engaged with everything that's part of what social media does. It involves you. You have a platform. So to have a band with that possibility that I can not only go see a show, I can be part of the show, I think it's actually, you, you guys are very connected to what's happening generally. I, I find that we're consuming culture in such a different way. And I feel like, I, I mean, I, the fact that we're able to uh, collaborate with the Art Gallery of Ontario, and I, the, the, I think that they're, with their first Thursday night, they're looking for new ways to engage with new generations and younger generations. And I feel like that we're, in some ways, one piece of, of the puzzle in terms of helping you know, bringing people in, you know, and I, I feel like we can engage them uh, or I feel like engage we're in those spaces. ADD in some ways. Like I feel like, and I, we, I see it myself when I'm online or, or or consuming any sort of media. It's, it's almost like, it's. I would say it's like almost like everything is consumed as people would consume sort of pornography. Almost, it's almost like what's next? What's better? Let's flip the page. What's be you know like? And it's just satisfying this weird like you're you're getting a high off finding something someone else hasn't seen, and I'm gonna tell people I saw this before they did, and that's gonna make me seem like I'm more. I mean, in some ways, I mean, I I understand it, but there's just way too many options for people. I mean, it's like, you know, I remember being a kid and, and buying and going to Discus or whatever store I would go to and, and I had $12 and I would buy, buying, you know, a Tears for Fears record and being like, okay, I've decided this is the album that I can afford and like it or not, I may hate it. This is the album I'm going to be listening to. Otherwise, I'm listening to stuff I've heard already. That's my option. And now it just, it's, that's a, you know, one example, but just we're getting people to really celebrate things and, and, and spend time together to commemorate things that have come because come and things that are current as well because people don't celebrate as much. They're always they're on to the next thing so quickly. But I, I just wonder if the music industry would have been as receptive to us, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Honestly, I, five, six years ago, you guys would just be another extreme or skid row, just like <laughs> way ahead of your time. So I don't think, I think you've actually struck at the right time. That's my feeling. Now, we've talked a lot about the uh, artists you've covered. Obviously, that's uh, on some level, and I'm, I'm not saying this in any kind of cynical way, it's a bit savvy. You've done something savvy. You've made something, and you've managed to, in most cases, many cases, reach out and, and reach the artists themselves, and they are getting behind the thing. Have you come close at all to writing? For this project have you come close to being like you know what i'm gonna throw my hat in the ring here i could write a song or two for this thing and it would work because i think part of what people are are interested in is the familiarity of the of the music right do you think we should do original music is that what you're saying i'm asking if it is possible well i the reason why i ask is because we've said for a long time that we want to but because both of us can write but at the same time Deciding like what that song would say is difficult. Much like going to Vancouver and picking one song, like what's the song that choir, choir, choir? Is it going to be some like jaded love song? No, is but it gonna be, you, you know, know what? Like it, it actually has happened twice. So one time, David was away, oh, right. and I, I, I recorded my own stuff, and and I, I took one of my songs to choir by myself, and I, I taught it to the choir, the choir, and it was earlier days, and um, and. It was hard to do, but it was super fun. I'm not saying it sounded amazing, but it was a fun night. And then um, the, when Jack Layton died, a year afterwards, there was a leadership convention at um, downtown, and, and um, we were asked to perform at, at, at it. And, um, um, and they were looking to pair us with Kanon or 
um, other sort of marquee musicians, and we would back the person up. Um, but in the end, David had written something um, inspired by Jack Layton and um, sent it to me, and I thought it was fantastic. And so he contacted the organizer and said, I've got this song, and why don't we try it? And we ended up performing it. It was like, I think it was our first national television broadcast, and, and we, we did it, and we got the whole crowd into it, and... and and it was really exciting, you know. And it was—it felt like it was a choir song. It felt like it was something that we would sing, you know. And it was a great experience. So, so we do have examples. It was sort of a song about like empowering. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.